gospel, turn to John 15. I'm going to start reading from verse 16, which is what Alan was in, because you have to put the text in context, or it's a pretext, you know, all of that. And uh, that prior to the section that we're going to look at this morning, you have Jesus being the vine, and we're the branches. And, and that's so that we can bear fruit. And all the, and the, the, that fruit of love and grace will just be influential around us. And lovely, lovely. And then you get to the end of the section, and it's, Jesus begins to talk about the Comforter, how the Spirit's going to come, and how he's going to reveal Jesus to us and, and, show, us, and, and show people their sin and, and open up the future. And ah, the, He's going to come to us and really, genuinely do all that stuff. And then in the middle, you have something that's a bit of a culture shock, really, a bit of a blast of cold air. So let, let me start in verse 16. This will just pick up with the vine theme. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you, were, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I, I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you if they kept my word they will keep yours also implying that they didn't but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me if I had not come and spoken to them they would not have been guilty of sin but now that they have no excuse for their sin whoever hates me hates my father also that's very strong isn't it if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you, all, and, all, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their the hour comes, you, remember, you may remember that I told them to you. Je Jesus is in the upper room in that section before his passion. And uh, he's preparing his disciples. He's, he's telling them the stuff that they need to know in order to be his followers. And that's where the vine comes in, isn't it? And, and our connection to the Lord Jesus. And, and about the comforter. 
And, and these are nice bits for a preacher to preach on. So imagine my joy that when I, found, I realized that I'd fallen between the two stools. And uh, the verses are, are this reality check, a shock to the system. Um, you know, I, I could sing to you, there may be trouble ahead. You know, that, well, you, you probably don't listen to my, that's not my kind of music. But as, as, as the, you know, in the book of Job it says, man was born for trouble as the sparks fly upwards. And Jesus is here saying that there's something inevitable for a Christian of hostility to come. It's par for the course. There's something here that we need to be expecting. Jesus is preparing us. If we are really going to follow him, it's not going to be a piece of cake. And it kind of goes across, doesn't it? You know, the kind of cuddly Christian idea. He's so cuddly, all the world will love him. You know, he's even nicer than God because God judges people, but he doesn't. Do you know what I mean? That, uh, and even the whole seeker-friendly thing, you know, come in, you'll find us just to be beautiful. Well, it doesn't quite fit. The kind of cool Christian stuff doesn't quite fit with what we've got here. We, we've got into a culture, haven't we, that Jesus has come and he'll make me happy and healthy and middle class. Uh, but it's, it's, it doesn't quite fit, does it? Do you know what I mean? It just says out of sync. You, you, you come to verses like this, oh, 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 I wish that wasn't there. And Jesus is, is, is being straightforward and honest. There's a reaction, even in his lifetime. Well, obviously, they crucified him. They hated him, as he says, without a cause. He was the man of sorrows. And he says, if you follow me, it's going to happen to you. Cheers. Um, and uh, the, the, the reaction of the, of the Jews... And it, it has a, almost a contemporary ring, doesn't it? That if they kill you, they think they're doing God a favor. Do you know they think that in ISIS today? That's what Yash are doing in all of those countries where their influence is spread. Uh, but here Jesus is saying that if we are like him and reflect him, at some point we're going to get the same response. Uh, and therefore... It's probably time to smell the coffee over this if we are going to be genuinely followers of Jesus. John Calvin said, talked about the fury of the world's hostility to Jesus. And of course, if you look in Syria, well, in Iraq, so-called liberated, uh, that uh, the vicar of Baghdad says there's hardly a Christian left. They've either had to flee or they've been executed. The same is happening all over Syria and in, in countries that we, that if you get the open doors, um, worst 50 places in the world to live, it's a helpful thing. It's free. You can just down, you can order it on the web. And it, it talks about, and I, we, I just pray through one of those, Liz and I do, every day. And you, you, you read about Vietnam, where persecution is still vicious, even today. And, uh, and lots of other countries, too. Of course, it was true in the first century, wasn't it? You know, with Nero and Caligula using Christians, covering them with tar, setting them alight to light his garden parties, and worse. 
But it, I, I, I can't check these statistics. It's just what I read in a commentary that 26 million Christians were martyred in the 20th century. Say it again. 26 million. There were more Christians executed for their faith in the 20th century than in all the 19 centuries together leading up to it. And, which is why we are such an exception. We're, we're really quite odd, or you are, that... Uh, because we, we've just enjoyed the kind of protection of what we call Christendom. <laughs> the bad news is that it's going or gone. And uh, it, it forces us to ask the question, I think this is what Jesus is leading us to, to ask the question, you know, why don't they like us? I mean, you're not horrible. Well, not very. Uh, you know, wh- why don't they think that you're cool and, and why, don't, you know, why don't they like us? Because we all try to be liked, don't we? You, 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 I'm, not, I'm not on Facebook. I haven't got the time. But, you know, pe- some people kind of write horrible things about everybody else. But generally speaking, we try to put forward a, a, a profile that people will think, oh, he's nice, she's nice. So why don't they like us? Well, verse 18 and 19 first. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In verse 19, five times Jesus talks about the world. Now, hey, if you go to sleep and your mind wanders in the next 20 minutes, just, just tune in here. It's an area of real confusion. We need to get this straight. The Bible talks about the world in three different ways. It talks about the natural world out there that God has made, and that's good. And we can all climb mountains and say, wow. That's one meaning of the world. The, The other meaning of the world are the people of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that when it comes to that part of the world, we've got to love the world like he loved the world. We've got to be a people who are compassionate and self-giving to people because lots of people are in pain. Or certainly all are in sin. But then there is another use of the world, the word world, which is the world's system, the world's value. The way that the world organizes itself without God. It's the world that is in rebellion. It's the world that lives for itself according to what it, it wants. And Jesus says, I've taken you out of that world. He hasn't taken us out of the natural world. He hasn't taken us out from among people. In John seventeen fifteen, in the next chapter but one, he says, I haven't taken you out of the world. But he says in verse 14 of of that chapter, oh, here we are. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because you are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So we're in a different world. If you're a Christian, you're, you're part of a different world from the world out there. You're a kind of alien. Some of us present are from another culture and know what it's like to be a foreigner 
Well, Margaret, you'll be, there, you'll be one again. Maybe you are in Wales anyway, but you know what I mean. We, we, we are from a different, we have a different identity as a Christian. We have different loyalties and a different home and a different destiny. We, we, we are Christians. God has called us out of that godless world into his world. And when you come to church, it's like going to the embassy because the, 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 the church is the link with the other world. And uh, as Emmy reminded us a fortnight ago, we have a very different world view than the world out there. That's why when you're watching the news at BBC One, there's something that annoys you. Because the perspective is completely without God. That's why there is this drip, drip, drip in the films that are watched that are just in conflict with the Christian who has a different sense of belonging. So it's quite stark. I went, I did my mum's funeral on Friday because I just wanted to make sure that I could say what needed to be said because she was a, a, a Christian. And, uh, but there are people in the family, quite a lot, not on our side of the family, um, who are atheists and are militant, uncomfortable. That The comment was made, we didn't want hymns. We don't mind, because mum was in the, mothers, in the Women's Institute, we don't mind singing Jerusalem because that has a socialist agenda. So I had to sing it, and did those feet in ancient times walk upon ink? No. <clears throat> but in conversation afterwards, there's, there's no heaven, there's no eternal life. We're not living for there, we're living for here. And when she's gone, she's gone. And she's not gone anywhere. And she's no longer anybody. I mean, the, conf the contrast in terms of how we look at life is total. It's raw. So I took great pleasure in saying, that's not mum. That, that's just her physical remains. Mum lives on. I, I had to do the funeral. Anyway, I won't go into that anymore. It, but we for point one, we live in different worlds. God has called you out of one world into his world. Secondly, verses 21 and 2, we have a different master. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus is saying that we will be persecuted, in verse 20, because we are identified with him. We are taking some of his flack. That, that people... We are persecuted because we know Jesus and, and opposition comes because they just don't know him. He says it again in chapter 16, verse 3. They don't know the Father 
and they don't know it. They just don't get it. And they don't, do they? You, you talk to somebody and the, the, the majority of the world out there have no Christian legacy. I mean, the whole thing seems to have gone unless you're over 60. And uh, the, 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 this whole sense of the, the, they don't see him, they don't understand, you know, what are you still clinging on to that religion for? Well, and, and therefore, there's, a, there's a, a certain hostility that comes from that. But we're not like that, are we? We've become followers of Jesus. We, we, we have become his servants, he says. We know the Father. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that life transforming? We, we not only know the Father, we know the Lord Jesus too. That we know something that they don't know. The only difference is that we want to tell them. That, uh, that Jesus is here drawing, this, drawing attention to this life-transforming encounter that the Christian has had. It's why we have a quiet time in the morning. Is have you found that? It's why we, we pray and read the Bible and have personal worship. Not just here, but every day. Why do I do that? Why, 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 why every day for nearly 50 years have I read the Bible every day? Well, because I just need to keep clear my identity, my perspective, my relationship. Because sure as sure, if I don't pray, if I don't read, if I don't create personal worship in my heart, I will begin to conform to another world. Isn't that true? Isn't there a creep creep? There is in my heart. And it's very interesting to me, and I make the point quickly, that it's because of this, it's because we, that we follow this master and there's a certain amount of flack because it's in that context that the Spirit comes. That's why he's called the comforter, stupid. That because we are in such hassle and such conflict at times that it's because of that that the Spirit comes. I, I, I was reading in, in, in Acts chapter 13. I do search the Scriptures. It's a great course that takes you through the whole Bible every three years. I think I mention it every time I preach, so I've just dropped it in again. And I was reading Acts chapter 13, which again was talking about the early church being persecuted. This is already, I just thought the connection was interesting. But the Jews incited the devout women of the high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's it, isn't it? That he comes not to make me comfortable. He comes because of the challenges that I am in because I am a Christian. And this opposition comes because we identify with him. That's why ISIS is brutal to Christians. That's why the BDP, the Indian nationalists, I, I was praying this morning on the, uh, on the um, open doors thing, and it was just talking. It just, you just matter of fact that, they, that there are, in several parts of India, the, the church meeting places have been burnt down. And when they've burnt the church meeting places down, they go and burn down the houses of the Christians. 
And many a pastor have been thrown into prison and some have been killed. And the authorities just turn a completely blind eye. Fancy a call to the ministry, Jonathan? It's a great life. It might—it probably mean you'll die young. Well, nearly young. Did you? Are you, are you feeling the cold wind? Has British secularism, as the government? just moves the boundaries and starts to call things good that we call bad and bad that we call good? Did you, how did you feel about the, the baker in Northern Ireland who said he wouldn't bake a certain cake? Or the, the air hostess who wanted to wear a cross on a uniform? If it, if it had been a crescent, she probably could have done. Or, or did you notice, I think it was in Devon, uh, an open-air preacher being arrested and, and kept in custody because the police said he preached from the wrong text. That's in the UK last year. And then, I, it's interesting, when I, when I was, I, I had to go to Valinda every day. And, uh, you know, how are you feeling, Mr. Ollerton? Well, you know, it's, it's not difficult to turn that to the Lord, is it? Do you, do you know what I mean? And they, they invite me to go to Valindra every day so I can try and talk about the Lord. It's just very kind. And one of them very quickly realized that, you know, that I was a believer and she was a Christian. It was unbelievable how she had to wait till everybody had gone out of the room before she could mention the Lord to me. Because the whole culture, some of you work in the national health, the whole culture means that you don't do that here. In so-called Christian Britain. Uh, of course, the, the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the church for centuries. And I, I came across this. If you could, thanks Alan for doing you, you've done brilliant. Can I have the Bosnian pastor? And this is one of the Bosnian leaders at the time of, of all their troubles. So much popular Western evangelical religiosity is so shallow and selfish. It promises so much and demands so little. Interesting. Thanks. Back to the text. So we live in different worlds. We have a different master. But thirdly, in verses 22 to 5... We have a different perspective. This is where it begins to get difficult for us. Because Jesus confronted the world. John 7, verse 7. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Jesus actually turned into the world of his day and said, that is not right. Imagine doing that. And he did it in word and deed. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. In verse 24, by deed, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. So by words and works, Jesus challenged those that were around him. He spoke from the Father, 
and they hated him without a cause. He came as light into darkness, didn't he? And, and confronted the darkness. It's very telling in John 3. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. And whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And yet you have this, con- this clash between light and darkness. And, and Jesus made people who were not prepared to repent and believe uncomfortable. He, he made them uneasy, feeling a little bit threatened. This world in rebellion. Isn't that how it is now in secular Britain? Isn't, isn't that the, in our pluralist day, we can believe anything as long as we don't say that Christianity is right and something else is wrong. The, 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 the only thing that people are intolerant about is somebody actually saying that, that there is truth. And as, as, as Christendom and, and post-Christianity kind of spreads and is almost totally the, the context in which we live, just the, protect, the privileges have gone. It it just seems totally, well, I'm not sure that some of us ever believed in in, in bishops in the House of Lords, but it just seems anachronistic. The temptation, of course, then, is what they call revisionism, to try and blur, blend in with what the world is saying. This is where calling right wrong and right and wrong right just is becoming rampant, even in Christian circles, so-called Christian circles. And uh, we can, the plain reading of the text, people are now, oh, I didn't really mean that. Or it meant that then, but it doesn't mean that today. It doesn't. Then the word of God hasn't got final authority for life and faith and practice. That Jesus warns in verse in chapter sixteen one and two about the danger. He said, "And I pray for you that you may not fall away." And the the, the great the great danger of wanting to hide my distinctive, wanting to kind of go like some dead fish with the stream. That the whole question of lukewarmness that Laodicea had, or saltlessness or blandness, and the, the call to, to stand and, and, and be courageous as a Christian, like, like at work. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, I'm not suggesting for a minute that, that Jonathan kind of goes looking for trouble, you know, kind of preaches instead of lectures, and uh, brings, tr- I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that for a minute. It's more subtle than that, isn't it? Because as, as Christians in the workplace where we are, th- there will be people saying things that are not true and, and we just have to say, I can't be part of that. There, there, there are situations where people are slagging other people off and, and we just have to say, I, I can't be part of that. that. That Christians, by forgiving those who have wronged them, or loving the unlovely, because there's always somebody who's the butt of everybody's unpopularity. 
But we, according to Matthew 5, aren't we? We we are the light of the world. A city set on a a hill that can't be hidden. A light that isn't put under a bowl. Uh, and, And Paul went even farther and take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So tomorrow morning, in your place of work, that there are going to be these challenges where people say, oh, he's not really like us. He's, I, I remember when Jason Robertson was picked for the Lions and uh, Jonathan Davis said, oh, he shouldn't pick him. He's a Christian. He'll spoil the team morale. It's a good job they picked him because he scored. Anyway, that, the, that, that whole sense of that there will be an awkwardness, that there will be a reaction in one way or another. Not that we're looking for trouble. But the, I, I had a friend who, who, who wrote me a letter. Lots of people write me cards because they're you know, concerned that I'm so ill. And uh, the, in, in, in the card, he made reference to, if you could go to the last slide, Alan. And uh, sorry, it's a bit blurred. But he, he just quoted this. And I thought, how, how, how appropriate with this text. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? Because Jesus is saying, thanks, you can go back to the text. Uh, Jesus is saying that there must be. We, you and I, if you're a Christian, have been transferred from one world to another. We have a new master. We, we have, we've come to know the Father. We've been rescued and reconciled. But there is a price. Persecution is inevitable. It, it, it's bearable. Happy are you when men persecute you and say all manner of things against you falsely. Sermon on the Mount. But we need to clarify we need to get this clear, don't we? The, the, the da- there's a real danger of trying to accommodate ourselves to a world that is anti-God and trying to merge and be really one of the boys and indistinguishable. There's real tension from a Christian if we get sucked into that rather than being absolutely clear that I'm a believer, a follower of Jesus and what he stands for, I stand for. And I think what Jesus is saying to us in these verses is that we can't live happily in two worlds. There's no dual passports for the Christian. It, it's, we, we are citizens of heaven. And we can't have all this world's values and, and all that it offers in Jesus too. That when we became a Christian, we chose one or the other. And, and when, we, when we choose to follow him, with clarity, with integrity, then the Spirit comes to help us in the challenges that that will bring. I, I finish with just this thought. Clive's going to come and we're going to sing Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. That, that in, in the good times and in the bad times. That we're just going to lead into that. I'll come to that in a minute. But wouldn't it be easier at work if to you Jesus was visible? Wouldn't it be easier if the Holy Spirit, if you could see him 
in the office. And there was that almost a physical reassurance that just helped you keep identity and association and clarity as to which world I belong to. Well, I think Jesus is saying he is there. He will help. We just have to live in the light of it. So, Clive, get your banjo. Thanks ever so much. It'd be horrible this morning without you. Rosie's good, but she's not that good. So, so we're both very grateful. And for Alan on the twiddly-doos at the back. I, ju- I, I just have a sense this morning. It may not be a major tweak for you, but some of us just need to clarify where we belong. We've, we've just got sucked into some stuff, running with the hairs and the hands, and we've tried to mix it, have some of the stuff that this world offers, and it's just not good for us. It's just undermining, it's corroding what we want to be as a Christian. So let, let's stand together, let me pray, and then Clive will lead the song. I wonder when you sing the song, if there's something in your heart saying, Lord, I want to be absolutely clear which world I belong to, which master I serve, which set of standards are mine. I'm not encouraging everybody to be arm-waving charismatics, but I just wonder whether when you sing the song, just to raise your hand to say, Lord... This is me. I just want to renew a clarity of who I belong to.